creating in and of itself there's nothing new under the sun that's the first thing and then whether it's music art whatever it is everything is created out of something else that's already been created so for me it's a little bit tricky because it's important that artists are taken care of while they're living hi i'm sarah cascone and this is the art angle a podcast from Artnet News, where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. For artists, writers, and musicians, copyright is an invaluable safeguard, protecting intellectual property of original works of authorship. But eventually, no matter how jealously a large corporation might hoard the rights to a lucrative property, all creative work passes into the public domain making it free for reproduction or adaptation without permission. In the U.S., copyright terms were extended twice during the 20th century to a term of 95 years, which meant nothing new entered the public domain between 1998 and 2019, and that many works of art were forgotten long before becoming fair game for any contemporary reimagining. The realm of public domain, therefore, offers almost limitless possibilities for creativity, allowing artists to breathe new life into forgotten works of art and reintroduce them to modern audiences. That is the genesis for Public Domain, a musical collaboration between writer and visual artist Catherine McMahon and musician and producer Ray Angry that turns old songs that have passed out of copyright into new music for the 21st century. This week marks the release of Alcoholic Blues, the second track of the album. I'm so pleased to have Ray and Catherine here at the Artnet News office to discuss the project and the creative importance of public domain. Hello, Catherine and Ray. Thank you for joining us on the Art Angle. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I thought we could start by maybe both of you telling us a little bit about yourself and your artistic path and how you guys came to meet. Sure. My name is Catherine McMahon. I am an artist and a writer. You know, I was an art major and then kind of got involved in working in media, actually, at Art News magazine. And then that experience led me out to East Hampton, where I was recently living and working at Elaine de Kooning House. My name is Ray Angry. I am a musician, composer, music producer, collaborator to the stars. I started my journey at New World School of the Arts in high school, where I studied classical music. And then I went to college at Howard University, where I studied jazz and classical music as well. And then had the opportunity to move to New York and just jump right into the music industry. And I've been working with artists from Queen Latifah to Wynton Marcellus to Diddy to Sting to The Roots. So it's been an incredible journey. And so now we're here on this next journey where we're creating music that's going to have an impact on the world. This is actually your second collaboration. How did you two meet? So we met actually backstage at a Roots show. Ray was producing music for my good friend. And I guess that was probably like six or seven years ago, maybe. And then this past summer, we collaborated on this idea, a project called Free Clean Money, which we performed at Guildhall Museum in East Hampton. So that was our first collaboration. And... I think we were kind of like building on the momentum of that creative energy and wanting to try to continue it and say something about where we're at in the present 
and kind of reflect on the past as well. So that led us to this collaboration called Public Domain, which we're working on right now. So Catherine called you up and she had the idea. How did she present it to you, right? At the time, you know, it was COVID. Life was in an uproar. The world was in madness. There's people rioting, people dying, you know. So at the height of this terrible experience, she presented this project to collaborate on something that speaks to what's happening in the world. And it really spoke to me as an artist because I hadn't been creating. So here's an opportunity to come out of this darkness and create something that could potentially have an impact. And Catherine, for you, this is a new arena to be working in music. Uh, and what kind of gave you the sense that this was like an area that you're ready to dive right in and work on an album? You know, I was approaching it more as a concept. The music is Ray's territory, and he's like such a world-class musician. And basically, I thought, you know, there's strength in collaborating from completely different backgrounds as far as like media and I'm coming from a painting background and writing. And with this particular project, I was kind of going down this rabbit hole of researching things from the past. And I think there was like some comfort in that, like looking to the past for answers, you know, about the present and the future. And, you know, it was kind of born out of a loneliness during the pandemic, a desire to just take my mind off of things and in some way like cope, you know, and I think creativity and collaboration can really facilitate that. And so tell me a little bit more about the public domain aspect that you're taking these songs that have recently, or maybe not that recently, I'm not sure how about all of them passed into the public domain, which means they're no longer under copyright. And, and what does that mean for you as artists that are looking to these past pieces for new inspiration? So with public domain content, which can include written music, melodies. It doesn't include recorded songs, but come January 1st, 2022, so next year, this is the first time in history because of the Music Modernization Act, over 10,000 recordings are going to be in the public domain. So basically any content as of 2021, any works from 1925 or before are in the public domain. And the idea was to kind of approach the project as a statement about ownership and appropriation and just kind of approaching it like a conversation with ghosts in a way. Like, what have we learned from the past that can tell us something about right now? What would they think about what we're doing right now, how we're living, and kind of trying to develop on that a little bit more? It's interesting because as a music producer, sampling is such a strong part of the hip-hop community, you know. So having been in hip-hop for so long, you know, people would call me and would have me play samples over so they would get the clearance. You know, so they wouldn't have to pay for the recording. So with this project, it just made sense because to take a song that was written, you know, before 1920 and basically rewriting it is very easy for me to do because there's themes and variations of themes, so I can take any sort of theme and create my own theme out of it without losing the sentiment of the song. So that's basically what I was doing in this particular case, just taking the songs and not redoing the songs as they are, but like really taking them and finding out what's the thing that's beautiful about the song and just taking that out and then creating something very new. So a lot of the songs that we created 
sound nothing like the original because it's not supposed to, <laughs> you know, because it's a new outlook on the subject matter. So that's what's the through line is the subject matter. Basically that life before 1920, all the things that happened then, we're sort of going through the same thing now. We were trying to, in some cases, do like a subtle homage to the original, but yeah, mostly like something completely new and different. And the first song was released earlier this year, and the second song is dropping this week. Can you tell me a little bit about those two pieces? The first song, Newborn Again, which I, I love that title, features Liv Warfield, Eric Gales, Daru Jones. The musicians are incredible that's on this particular project, and Liv Warfield was so gracious in joining the project and joining something that is just for the community at large, because it's really what we're trying to do is trying to bring the creative community together and have a voice in terms of just artistic freedom and our rights, but really collaborating together and creating a work that we can all sort of share the pie in, you know, and, and just really create a new narrative for artists. That particular song was such a joy to record because that was our first home run, so to speak. So the next song we're releasing is a song called Alcoholic Blues. This song was based off of a song from 1919, and it was composed by Albert von Tilzer, who also wrote Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And the lyrics were by this guy, Edward Laska, and it was sang by Billy Murray. The original is a song about prohibition. Prohibition was ratified in 1919 and went into law with the 18th Amendment in January 1920. Then fast forward almost 100 years later to the day, that's when COVID was first detected in the States. I think they said like January 20th of 2020. The original is sort of this ragtime, bluesy, with a syncopated melody. It's like post-World War One. It almost strikes like a humorous tone. You know, I was kind of in a place during COVID where, you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to drinking too much and just kind of like feeling in despair and lonely, you know, all of those universal pandemic themes. Um, so I rewrote some lyrics and I sent Ray the original recording. We reached out to Melissa McMillan, who's an incredible vocalist, and we were just talking through the idea around the song and it resonated with her. And she sent this incredible demo. Melissa McMillan, she's incredible. I think I should say this. So Catherine sends, she basically, we got together and she's like, I have this idea for a song. And she's reading me the thing about the song and we listen to it. And as she's talking to me, I'm on my computer making the song up. So by the time she's done telling me about the song, I've already written the song. That's it's basically incredible. how all these songs happen. I like what we did so much because to me, the project is about being in the moment and being present. So I was being present with her when she, as she's talking to me about what the idea is. So I wanted to capture that sort of sentiment. So I record the song. I'm loving it. We're both loving the track. And so I'm like, who can I call? And I said, well, let me call Melissa. So I reach out to Melissa. She's like, it's a very abstract project, you know? And I'm like, hey, we have this song, you know, it's public domain. What do you think? And she listens to the track. She, I love the track. We send her the lyrics. She's like, mm, I like this. And then she writes a song. And it's amazing. And then I'm like, okay, 
Hmm, I need somebody else on this song. So then I call my friend Marcus Machado, who is an incredible guitar player. He's like a young Jimi Hendrix. He's like that good on guitar. So anyway, so I sent him the song. He plays guitar on it and it's sounding like Prince. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He killed it. And so now we have this really exciting song that really birthed out of this idea of talking about alcohol abuse. And we're in a pandemic and like, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, I think everyone can sort of relate to the song. I've got the blues, I've got the blues, got the alcoholic blues. I don't mind, I live in a trench. My thirst I need to quench. Astral bodies teeming with haste and my My producer, Sonia Manalili, and I got to sit in on a sound mixing session, and the studio where you're doing this project is just incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So Searsound is this amazing studio that's been around New York for decades. And I've recorded so many records there with Josh Stone and so many incredible people. I wanted the music to connect to the past in that way, in the way that we recorded the music. So we recorded a lot of the music at Searsound, which is one of my favorite studios in New York City. And also, at the height of the pandemic, it was one of the studios that was open. You know, we're making music in the midst of darkness. Just thinking back now, it's just kind of cool that we were able to just sort of plow through, especially with all of COVID restrictions, and we were able to make it, and you didn't get COVID, I didn't get COVID, <laughs> so we were good. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> COVID-free, everyone's vaccinated. <laughs> And the project also has a really wonderful visual component, which I'd love you to tell us more about, Catherine. You know, included in that content from before 1925 is videos, visuals. So basically, like for the Alcoholic Blues cover, supplementing it with some stock footage and imagery using images in the public domain to collage into something, you know, and same with the newborn again, using exclusively public domain imagery and collaging it. So just in sticking with the theme. And so people can listen to the first two singles now on Spotify. Do you have any thoughts about other ways this project might kind of be experienced out in the world? I think, you know, we want to just kind of keep going with it and see where we can take it. But, you know, we'd love to try to partner with an institution in some shape or form down the line and do some kind of installation. And I think like a video performance would be really cool, too. It's in the nascent stages of planning that out right now. And I wanted to kind of circle back to the issue of public domain and copyright, because as some people probably know, very important 
pieces that have become kind of cultural touchstones, the copyright becomes very valuable. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mickey Mouse is -hmm. still under copyright, even though it was created so long ago. And I think will pretty soon be out of copyright and it'll be interesting to see if Walt Disney is like is cool <laughs> if Walt Disney's cool with that or if they try to find some way to extend copyright. There's been a period yeah. where yeah. copyright was extended and recently January first has become public domain day where mm-hmm. works are finally released into copyright. There was a period of I think maybe twenty or thirty years where nothing was released into public domain. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you both as artists who are working with public domain, how important is it to allow works to pass into public domain? Like, yes, we need to respect the copyright of the artist and the creativity of an artist and let an artist profit from their work. But at a certain point, how important is it for the future of art and for the creative process to be able to work with existing works of art, be they songs or films or poems or novels? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think... When something's egregious and you're just blatantly using someone's work and pawning it off as your own, like, that's not cool. That's not okay. But I think, like, I am a believer in, like, fair use. And I do think, like, it's important to have these things that we can build upon. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with this project is, like, talk about our experiences right now and our dilemmas and talk about the present and try to have a conversation that's valuable in some way that's pushing us forward in some way. So I think it's important. You know, I think those laws are in place for a reason. Sometimes it feels a little bit like frivolous as far as the number. You know, why do we need this number of decades for something to be free, you know? Well, I think creating in and of itself, there's nothing new under the sun. That's the first thing. And then whether it's music, art, whatever it is, everything is created out of something else that's already been created. So for me, it's a little bit tricky because it's important that artists are taken care of while they're living, not when they're dead. Because art is eternal. Music, life is eternal. Like the ideas come through you, but they don't belong to you. So I feel like when you create something, it should belong to the world ideally, and everyone should figure out a way to make it beneficial for everyone to reap the benefits of your art. So, you know, I think it's just unfortunate that we're having this conversation because a lot of artists, you know, some of their works was a shit show while they're alive. And then as soon as they die, millions and millions of dollars, just organizations named after them, So I think it's a deeper conversation than things going into public domain, because while we're in the public living, you know, I think artists need to get a fair share. I think that's the really important thing right there, which is why this project speaks to me as a creative, because, you know, I take everything I do very seriously. And when it comes to art, you know, and creatives, I think it's important that artists really come together, not with talking points and just talking to be talking and not really creating change. I think artists need to just come together and create content and then reap the benefits of those contents as opposed to it being a corporate initiative where a corporation sort of buys into the art, but they own it. And then they tell you how to color it and how to market it and how to do all these different things. So I think the artist should take control of the narrative. That's what I think is the important part of public domain. I see that. I definitely see that. For picking these songs, you mentioned that 
the man who wrote Alcoholic Blues also wrote Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which is a song that every, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, which is a song that every man, woman, and child in America probably knows. And yet Alcoholic Blues is probably a song that's been forgotten. So in things being protected for copyright that have been forgotten, it prevents that work from kind of staying alive. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like wanting to resuscitate and also like pay homage to these things from the past and build upon them. You know, that's the whole point of the project in a way is like, we're clearly didn't come up with this song. This is based on something else from the past. And like to echo what you just said about, you know, an idea doesn't belong to you, kind of goes through you. You know, I think the best thing we can do is try to have like an honest conversation right now while paying homage to the past and immersing ourselves in history, too. And in doing the whole album, did you kind of want to have a balance between songs that have kind of been lost to the sands of time and then songs? I know you have a couple of Christmas songs coming up that I think people will be more familiar with, the source material. Did you kind of try to strike a balance between those different types of songs? It was less about popularity or, you know, how recognizable they are. I think it was more about just, like, the germ of the idea, you know, that we could kind of, like, latch onto and, like, kind of make our own, you know? Trying to make our own hits. <laughs> Since they weren't when they were written, we're trying to, like, give props to it and give new life to these songs and give them a fair chance to become hit songs. <laughs> and for both of you, what has kind of it been like working in a more interdisciplinary manner with blending the art and the music? And how has that kind of affected you as an artist? Well, I don't think Catherine knows this, but when I was a kid, I didn't want to do music. I wanted to be an artist. I don't know what it was about art, but I fucking loved art. Like with that passion. And then my dad was like, you're not going to be an artist. They don't make money. You're going to be a musician. I was like, oh, I don't want to be a musician. You know, obviously music took <laughs> precedence in my life, but I love art and music. And I think the idea of blending those two genres together really turns me on. It's just like full circle for me. And I think also in a space where you're dealing with technology, because I'm really into thinking about what's going to happen five years from now or 10 years from now, we, you know, technology is moving really quickly and we're able to make records across continents. You know what I mean? So with that being said, I just think that art and music together and creating some sort of installation, creating an immersive experience is what I think the future of experiencing art and experiencing music is. It's exciting to try to work in a new way too, you know, like the way we're trying to come up with new ideas. It's so cool how open-minded Ray is towards like pushing something forward in a new way, trying something out. Our different styles of working, I like to kind of establish like a conceptual framework if I'm going to enter into a project, whereas like the way you approach music is so different from the way I would visually approach something. It's been really cool to bounce ideas off of one another and kind of like meet halfway on certain ideas too. You know, it's like we're kind of like learning on the fly too. And, you know, I feel like that's, well, not you, <laughs> but I am always. <laughs> but yeah, again, going back to during the pandemic, it was really comforting to just dive into a creative endeavor that felt like 
a new territory from the free clean money idea, like just trying to have a conversation about, you know, something that felt important and current and then piggybacking off of that into this project. It feels purposeful. It's been like a great learning experience. And so tell us a little bit more about the music videos, because I think you talked about the album cover. Kind of what we were talking about earlier, coming up with associated visuals using public domain content and restructuring it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like trying to learn more about video editing, too. So She's very shy about her video editing skills. She's amazing. She needs to get over it and do that shit. It's amazing. <laughs> no, really, I think one of the beautiful things about this project is that everyone is working outside of their comfort zone. And working in territories where you're not familiar, you create new shit. And sometimes the ego can get in the way of you putting your art out there because you might think, oh, it's not good. Oh, it's not all this bullshit that's in our head that stops us from being who we truly are. We're creative beings and there's no bad idea. There's only ideas that you don't execute, that don't see the light of day. So whether they're good or bad is subjective. So art is subjective. It's important that people be authentic. And I think that's the other beautiful thing about this project is the authenticity of people involved. Going off what you said earlier, it's like visual art or someone in the music industry, a singer, like, I think what makes it like good or bad, I mean, there's a number of factors, but it's like, what do you have to say? Do you believe in like what you're trying to say? For the project as a whole, when do you think the album will be complete and when can people kind of expect to be able to hear the whole thing? You know, we're also trying to make a statement about how content is consumed nowadays, just like the whole infrastructure around an album release or a track release, the marketing, all of these things that weren't present 100 years ago when Alcoholic Blues, the original, was released. So I think we're kind of taking our time and releasing it as singles, making a statement about like how we consume songs today. Do people listen to full albums anymore that are released? We're constantly inundated by other noise and distractions. So we just wanted to take the time and really like think through the songs, work through them and make sure we like get them in, in the place where we're ready to put it out there into the world. We were looking at these songs as like episodes for TV series. Each song is a statement about something. So we want to let that marinate. And then we're going to have another song. That's a totally different statement, totally different style of music. So I think for me, the exciting part is that each single is like a new episode for a TV series. And the TV series is public domain. Did I just create something else for the TV series? <laughs> Netflix, uh, you know, holler at me. So to answer your question, late 20. 22 is when the album will be done. Well, I can't wait. Whether it's a TV show, a museum show, I'm sure it's going to be great. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you so much for joining us on The Art Angle. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This was uh, an absolute pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Also, take a moment to rate and review. It will help other listeners discover what we're doing. And if you have some feedback or maybe a recommendation for a future episode, go ahead and email us at podcast at artnet.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at artnet.com. The Art Angle is produced by Sonia Manalili, Caroline Goldstein, and Tim Schneider. 
Thanks for listening and see you next time.